You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and this week we are chatting with Rosie Bones from Goat Girl. Goat Girl are a really exciting new band coming out of London. They've just put out a new record, which sees them taking a bit of a sonic departure from the sounds that they were known for on their debut album, incorporating more sounds of synths, drum machines, and percussion. So with that, we're very excited to have Rosie from Goat Girl with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Rosie, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so I want to start things off with uh, this song called "The Crack," uh, mm-hmm. and and there's there's a couple different things that I want to kind of explore with it. And the the, the first is that you know in, in reading about it, it seems to have sort of started with um electronic stuff on GarageBand, and this is now like the sort of I think the second or third time we've had a guest on the show with like a similar story where a song has sort of started and had its inception in just like mucking about on GarageBand. So I was wondering if you could perhaps shed some light on that side of, uh, of the song for us. Mm, I feel like quite a lot of our songs, well, especially for this album, quite a lot of them started in that way. Right. Um, and that was one that was originally something that Ellie came up with, um, and yeah she had this kind of yeah quite a bit more tame um electronic kind of demo on garage band and yeah it was a bit, it was a bit more like chilled out right and it was like it was really good and then we kind of yeah she brought it to us and then i feel like it went through quite a lot of different changes like a lot of the songs um and then Lottie kind of brought the chorus vocals and I think Holly brought the chorus bass line yeah right um and that's kind of how we did a lot of the songs was just like I don't know someone would bring it and then we just like add bits and like extend it or then like shorten it and be like this needs to go here and blah 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 right 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 um yeah when we're writing we have like a soundcloud that we share right like demos that we've each made so yeah i kind of find that a good way to to start yeah totally well and then and then how does the fact that uh, and this is i guess a, a question that kind of applies to the album more broadly um you're a drummer and i'm also a drummer so i'm really interested in just like how how you approach drumming with that sort of electronic element like how or or i guess how does that change your approach especially in contrast with uh with the tracks on the on the your debut album Mm. um yeah i kind of really love that way because with the way that someone will make a demo and yeah it's not with it's not in the way of thinking of how it would come across live Right. Oh, how we would play it as a band. And sometimes the beats that are on the original things are like, I don't know, quite sporadic and getting in- inspired by, yeah, those kind of little intricacies 
of the demo and then like translate trying to translate that onto a drum kit um is yeah kind of how a lot of it did work yeah but some things yeah. like i know in sad cowboy because there's like it's kind of like a right. but then like in lottie had like a demo and in bit of it it would i don't know it kind of had this like clap on a beat that i kind of wouldn't really usually do that but i kind right. of i just really loved that and then translated it onto the drum kit and yeah i felt like it really really worked yeah well like the percussion generally on this record is is like is pretty crazy like it, it's something that just like as as a sort of a guy who just plays drums as very much like a hobby it was just like the coolest thing to listen to and just take that in um mm -hmm. and we and we are going to chat about sad cowboy at the end um but i wanted to so my understanding about this tune is that it's uh it's about the environment and i and i think that writing political songs is something that y'all seem to to do a fair amount um but what seems to separate y'all from i guess the pack is that the way that you do it seems to be a lot more genuine i think that there's a lot of like political songwriting these days that's kind of cringy and performative um so what's your approach generally when it comes to sort of involving topics like the environment in your songwriting um i think it yeah it doesn't really come from a place of like oh this is something bad that's happening we must talk about it it's right. like kind of just what we talk about anyway i don't know we're right. kind of always having conversations like that so it's kind of natural for um them to come out in like when people write lyrics and i think yeah i guess it's it's never coming from a place of of well we try to not have it come from a place of like being preachy mm -hmm. or like this is how you should think it's just like this is this is i don't know this is what this makes me feel yeah. um maybe we should be talking about this more <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough
So we're going to get into your song picks now. Um, Good Girl Gone Bad by Rihanna. If I'm not mistaken, uh, your first album that you ever got was a Rihanna album. Uh, what can you uh, tell us about that experience, like uh, that introduction to, to music and Rihanna yeah. as like a gateway? That was like definitely my first memory of, of being in HMV and my dad being like, oh, you can go and pick a cd if you want and i was like what like i don't know that was just really crazy and just having that kind of autonomy like get to pick something out of all of this stuff and then yeah i really like rihanna at the time and then um just saw that album i was like yes i want to get this one and then i just yeah completely rinsed it and that song i just i don't know that song just really spoke to me at the time mm -hmm. And it still does now. Yeah, and what is it about it that, like, you know, obviously this is many, many years after that original trip to HMV, um, which just, like, hearing that idea of going to HMV with your parents kind of just, like, brings back mm. a whole flood of memories. But, <laughs> yeah. like, um, like what, what is it that, you know, that allows it to still stick with you, like, to the point where several years later you're adding it to this playlist? Mm -hmm. I feel like... I guess it's kind of looking back and then being like, yeah, you were onto something then. Right. And it's still like, or oh, not even just me, but like this was actually just genuinely like an amazing record. Mm -hmm. Then for me, when I was like, however young, like 10 or something, and it still is now like 15 years later, I think it's, I just kind of, I love how music can just like travel with you that long and like, yeah they'll be fresh and like kind of timeless in a way yeah
All right, so uh, we're going to get into Marvin Gaye now. When did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you? Uh, People often on the show pick Marvin Gaye. um, So it's always cool for me to just get like a sense of like why different people pick it and what different people gain out of uh, out of Marvin Gaye's music. So uh, so why'd you pick this song? Um, Yeah, this is a song I feel like maybe six years ago or something when I was listening to that album. And I just couldn't stop listening to that to that song. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, I just think the vocal delivery is just like incredible. And it it's it really like sparked my interest because it's I don't know the music behind it's like quite simple. Right. Um, well, not like simple, but like very subtly. It kind of subtly changes. Right. And like Marvin Gaye's vocals over it he's just like he's changing it up like every time but I don't know it just it seems so effortless and then I don't know right at the end then it will go it's been on like the ride symbol the whole time and then it would do this of changes into like a different mood and it just moves to the hi-hat but it's like so subtle but I just it really gets to me and then he sings like the the name of the song right at the end and it's like this release like 
it's sort of been building all up to that. Right, 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 and right, I just right. think it's like 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 genius, a genius construction of a song. Yeah, just like building that tension and then just like letting it out at the end is is like a crazy thing to do in songwriting. Yeah. So, do you draw any inspiration from jazz drumming? Um, a bit. I kind of don't listen to that much. I kind of, um, well, maybe yeah, draw on different ways to like play different drums, like different right, ways right, to right. play cymbals and stuff, and like, um, yeah, I guess it just it, it kind of inspires me to yeah maybe use the like drum kit not then like necessarily the way that you think you're meant to you know when you say your marriage vows they're supposed to be for real i mean if you think back about what you really said you know about honoring and loving and obeying until death do us part no but it shouldn't be that way it should it should it shouldn't be lies because though it turns out to be lies if you don't honor what you say you've lied to God the words should be changed now as I recall we tried a million times again again
All right, so Violin Concerto 2, Philip Glass, uh, perhaps a bit of a turn out of left field. Uh, what do you like about this song? Mm, this song, like, I feel like I had a real moment with this song. Um, I was going to the Imperial War Museum right. in, in, like, South London, and at the time I had a flip phone. Was it flip phone? It was like a brick phone. What right. they call them brick phones. It's like, um, yeah, just a phone that basically makes calls and texts, but also could get the radio. Right. So when I'd go somewhere, um, I'd just, yeah, I'd just have the radio on and I would be listening to Classic FM quite a lot. Right. And yeah, just that song came on while I was on the bus to the museum and I was just thought it was so like so harrowingly beautiful um and i just was sat there on the bus just like what and i was like um what did i do i can't remember how i found out what it was i think yeah they must have said it at the end and i'm quickly like trying to text myself the right. name of the song and then i went to like the museum and like i don't know there's a really quite um like I know, sad exhibition on the Syrian war, and yeah, it was just sort of like an emotional, emotional day. Right. Um, just compounded by the song, eh? And just yeah, just everything in the museum as well. Yeah. Which is like important to know, but it's it's was is yeah quite heavy. Yeah. Well, it's crazy to think of like, and you know listening to something on the radio on a flip phone like i, I just it, I, I feel like we're having all these like throwbacks to like a bygone yeah. era and like music technology where it's like you know hmv and all that like yeah just the notion of like not being able to like shazam something or like look and that up. wasn't even that long ago right. but now I've, I've completely converted now like um i've got like a smartphone and i like i don't know i love it now and i'm just i'm i'm, I'm here in 2021 there you I'm go here. <laughs> you made it. You made it. <laughs> We're happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, so uh, next up, uh, a Canadian group, uh, Rococo by Arcade Fire. Um, what do you uh, What do you like about Arcade Fire? And and you know, people people when they come on the show, they often will pick Arcade Fire. Um, but in some cases, just as like you know, you're Canadian, so this is probably you know a thing for you. Um, and but but th this is one that has not been picked before, so I'm I'm interested in like first what you like about Arcade Fire, but why you picked this song. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a that was a another album that I feel like it came kind of a bit after Rihanna, um, right. maybe like a few a few years that I was listening when I was listening to Arcade Fire. Mm -hmm. It kind of had the same kind of effect on me. Um, I don't know, just that album as a whole, like from start to finish, the way that the songs flow to each other, um, I just think it's just like amazing. And I don't know, I just really remember when I was younger, like listening to that song and just having this really vivid kind of image of a kind of ghost town, I don't know. Um, and I don't know, yeah, I, I can't remember, I probably didn't understand what the lyrics were saying, but I feel like when I used to listen to songs, I could just see things. And yeah, yeah I just saw kind of like, some desolate ghost town um that had been like abandoned right and yeah well i really love like all of the songs on the album but that one's a real like one that sticks in my memory right
uh, it really it really reshaped the landscape. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, last up of the songs that you picked, uh, Billie Holiday, "All of Me." Um, Billie Holiday, you know, it's like what what can you even say? It's it's like mm-hmm. you know, absolute classic. Um, what do you what do you like about Billie Holiday? I feel like she was kind of one of the first jazz musicians that I started listening to. Right. And I just, yeah, I just fell in love with her voice. I just, I don't know. I just felt like um, it was just so sad. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like I am kind of drawn to stuff like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah. I think I kind of, it's something that I would like love that I, well, with her music, something I love to just sing along to. Right. Um, I mean, not like how she can sing, but right. I really just love to like let it out when, I was, when I'm listening to Billie Holiday. Like whenever I'm feeling sad, I listen to Billie Holiday because it, it doesn't like make it better, but it, I don't know. It just, just kind of allows you to stew in that sadness a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's kind of comforting in a way as well. Um, yeah. I think that was one of the first songs that I was like trying to learn on piano as well, which I never actually did. But right. yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it's interesting because I I feel like just different people have such different relationships with with like sort of different moods and music and things like that. But like, what what is it? Do you think that's just about sad music in general that that draws you in so much. Mm. Um, I guess because I don't know because I feel sad like quite a lot of the time, right. and I guess it's yeah comforting to to I don't know hear other people right 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 it's not like oh yeah you're sad too but like it's just like we're all sad and let's like embrace it and talk about it and it's okay to be sad yeah because like sad things happen yeah there's like a sort of we're all in this together element to it it sounds like Mm. i think with like yeah and just musically as well um it just it really speaks to me. All of me Why not take all of me Can't you see I'm no good without you Take my lips
I'm no good without you. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to get now to uh, so- another Goat Girl song. Uh, we touched on it a little bit earlier, Sad Cowboy. And this is one where the percussion really, really goes off. Like, it, it is just so intriguing to listen to. Um, and I'm just like, you know, and, and, and again, bearing in mind that we touched on it at the beginning, I, I guess I'm just sort of curious what that, like, Per, like processes like for you in sort of building those like layers mm, yeah it's quite interesting you say like that pops off because that was us actually we toned it down so much right. like it used to be i don't know when we first recorded it it was like way more and we kind of had to be like yeah we need to tone it down a bit but it still has that um that energy with like the percussion, um, that was kind of one of my favorite days of recording. Right. Because we we trapped all of the songs on like the first few days, and then we had this day where we were like, "Yeah, let's just do percussion." Because yeah. um, Dan Carey, who produced it, had this idea to kind of have live percussion loops on on each of the songs. So yeah, what we did was. Um, he just had these two boxes of percussion and just like whack them in the middle of the floor right. and then we just like press um, had like a, mi- a microphone in the middle and then yeah he just press record and we just went through the album start to finish and there'd be sort of like a few second break between each song and then um, we kind of had to just like go into the box like quickly find something and then like the song would start and then we'd just have to sort of like yeah make something up yeah um and we kind of just trying to yeah try to use things how we wouldn't expect them to be used mm-hmm. um yeah and then after that like dan chopped it all up and then yeah had these drum like drum loops and that yeah the thing on sad cowboy which i think really adds to it um was that yeah dan wanted to have this modular synth as a sort of right. percussive instrument which is a sort of um and yeah so that was kind of going on at the same time as well i feel like yeah with the recording we we kind of had so much going on right. and we had so many ideas and then we had to like whittle it down and condense it a bit um but yeah i feel like it was very fun to do it in that way yeah well and and i'm always interested with like bands that sort of undergo these like kind of experimental is not the right word but like i i guess just like a sonic shift where they're where they're trying something new um 
like what, what was there something that you were listening to at the time that really brought about that change like we, we we had a member of a band called the dmas on and and they went through a bit of a sonic shift sort of also starting to rely more heavily on synths and stuff like that and he you know he explained that it was a lot of listening to like primal scream and stuff like that that motivated that shift was there is there like a sort of similar uh thing for y'all where y- you were just listening to something and it really just inspired that change i feel like it was probably different things for all of us um because we kind of do listen to quite different music like there's some things we agree on but then like i don't know in our day-to-day like what we listen to is quite different um i think i was i was listening to quite a lot of like trap at the time and i think that inspired me to kind of go more into the hi-hat and kind of mess around more with with cool hi-hat pattern yeah but i think even when we were like recording and writing um the, the first one we were we were still quite um influenced by electronic music right and um yeah it just kind of we just kind of yeah just took it a bit further right right yeah i mean and, and it, it it often seems like with bands where like they're, they're doing their debut it's like you know th- those influences are there but they're d- did you feel at all like you you kind of had to hold back on that first record from like just going all out and uh and letting those influences show um well yeah with the first one we kind of we did add like synth and stuff but it's very much right. more a layer yeah exactly um, and yeah then with this one because most of the songs when they're being written um someone was playing synth right so they were very much like integral to each song yeah um, totally and yeah i guess yeah just having the time and the time to mess around because the first one was kind of just like we've kind of done it over quite a long time but um it was yeah from like quite a young age and then so they were quite old songs when we recorded them Right, right. But then right. with this one, it's like it was starting from scratch, so we could oh, kind of yeah do whatever we wanted. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. Well, with that, uh, we're gonna wrap up now. Uh, but uh, at the end of each episode, we always love to give our guests just a chance to plug your latest release. Uh, you know, let the people know uh, where they can check you out. Oh. Well, you can listen to On All Fours by Goat Girl. It's out now. It's been out for uh, just over a month. And you can listen on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. Um, yeah, on the radio, maybe. Just, and if you can, go to your local shop and pick it up. Thanks so much to Rosie for joining us this week. As they said, you can check out Goat Girls Music on Bandcamp and all streaming platforms or on vinyl. You can also find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com. Havingachat.com is also where you can sign up for our new bi-weekly newsletter. So please be sure to check that out. We're not really sure what we're going to do with it, but it's sure to be something cool. The show is produced by myself and Hillary Johnston. Social media and marketing materials are done by Petra Walker. Theme music is done by Duncan Briggs and Sugarglass. And now to wrap up this week's show, this is Goat Girl with Sad Cowboy.
the dark.